Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, September 18th. How shall you define God? Think of him or her as the highest potential you can imagine for yourself. God is all that and much more. As the Indian scripture, the Bhagavad Gita states, he is in all things their supreme manifestation, perfect power, wisdom, love, joy, peace, fulfillment, satisfaction, beauty, and contentment. One of the wonderful things about going through this book in this manner where I, I mean, I've gone through this book many times in my life, looking at it, but when I really have to stop and and try to think about how to share with you whatever my perceptions are, the fun of doing something like this is that it's also really new for me. Swamiji in, in 19... Uh, 68 and 69, 70, wrote a, a, a course of lessons. It was called 14 Steps to Higher Awareness and also became 14 Steps to Perfect Joy. It gradually got changed into what's known as the Art and Science of Raja Yoga. He wrote it during a time when he was exceedingly busy teaching every night and doing all this work to raise the money to buy the land and put up the first buildings at what is now the Ananda Meditation Retreat, which is where the all of Ananda started. Um, so it, in 1972, when things were just a little less hectic for him, he decided to, to devote himself to revising that course, even though it had been well-received. These are the words Swami said. He, it, for him, the writing of it had not been a growing experience. He said, essentially, he'd just written it from what he already knew. And now he really wanted to write it from the new inspiration of the moment when he applied himself to those questions. He said sometimes as he would work through issues, he would have to stop and meditate for an hour or a week or a month until he really had a clear new perception to offer. Um, and the result is what is now the art and science of Raja Yoga, and I think Swami has barely changed a word in that since 1972 because he really did it. It was, it was fresh inspiration. It was the revelation of the moment. I don't mean by that that he didn't know the definitions of the Sanskrit words or how to do the yoga postures or what the recipe was for halwa or something like that. But in the moment, everything was fresh. It wasn't just, oh, I can stick this in, I can stick that in. It was what is needed right now and how can I be a channel for it. So in any case, that's how Swami has trained all of us to share his teachings, these teachings, Master's teachings of self-realization. So I look at this, and I've heard Swami say many times, define God according to your own highest potential. That was the answer he gave to a man in Australia who challenged Swami's whole teaching, when he asked, um, I'm an atheist, how can any of this help me? 
And so Swami said, well, think of God as your own highest potential. And the man said, oh, I can live with that. In other words, make it an, uh, something that you can aspire to. Because in the effort to expand our awareness and expand our capabilities and our sense of self, then we'll, we'll move in the right direction. And as we expand our awareness, we'll be in a, a new position. And from that expanded awareness, we'll see lots of things in a different way. Um, the search for God is directional. It's not, I'm totally ignorant, and then I'm God-realized. As Swami said, it's gradually causing the desert to bloom around you, is what he said. It's not just walking through a wasteland until you stumble onto an oasis. It's planting seeds and seeing them grow. So I read right here, um, love, love, joy, and peace, and wisdom, even the word power are words I'm used to, but Swami's also defining God as fulfillment, satisfaction, beauty, and contentment. Now, it's very important to really capture what that means because so much of the teaching of self-realization is about transcending. And there can be this very strong emphasis on, on our, we're not supposed to want things. We're not supposed to feel like this. We should repudiate, we should renounce, we should transcend. And after a while, the path becomes something no one would want to follow in the, in the Catholic tradition. And they've been at this for a very long time and have learned more than one lesson well. There's something that sometimes happens to monastics, which is very unfortunate. And the monastic has to be brought out of it, the monk or the nun. It's called overscrupulosity where you become more and more intent about what you think God wants from you to the point where you, you've really paralyzed yourself with anxiety about displeasing God. There was a point in my life very early on when apparently I was falling into that because that's when I first heard about the concept. And it was sort of like, if I want it, God must not want it. And so I was, I was boxing myself in, as Swami put it, to make the path so narrow that pretty soon I would fall off of it. And it's sometimes, not to get too complicated here, but it's sometimes something we do deliberately so we can escape from the spiritual path. We just gradually make ourselves crazy and then we have to run away, and then we get to run away. And that's one of the things that happens. So um, he said to me, I remember, and I always think of it, I always remember Swamiji <clears throat> as pleading with me. That's the way I hear and feel his voice. And what he said to me was, God does not want you to be unhappy. He said, that's your imposition on the spiritual path. And that made a very big impression, not only the words, but the intensity with which Swami said it to me. Oh, that's right. The path is joy, especially as we repudiate this Kali Yuga idea this emphasis <clears throat> on the crucifixion of Jesus rather than his resurrection, his freedom, his joyous overcoming of all limitation. We tend to think that the suffering itself is what God wants of us. No. God wants us to be happy. God wants us, as the, the curé d'art of, of France said, um, if you knew how much God loves you, you would die for joy. 
It's just exactly the opposite of that. So in the Bhagavad Gita, it says that the supreme manifestation of everything is God. So the desire for beauty, that the most beautiful that thing that we can see, the most beautiful thing, and this is how he puts it here, that we can imagine for ourselves, because we can only rise in the spiritual path one step at a time where we're standing. That's why it's very important to be realistic and to have common sense. And, And where it may be true that eventually we have to transcend everything, we can't start there. We just, we just can't start by transcending everything because it's not natural to us. We are a seed on our way to becoming an apple tree, but the seed can't get to being an apple tree. I have an apple tree in the backyard. I have apples in the house. I can hold a seed and look at an apple tree. And it fascinates me, and I often do hold the seed, and realize that the, the, the divine potential of this seed is this tree. But it can't get there just by saying, seed become a tree. The seed has to be soaked, it has to sprout, it has to have a tiny little growth that has to grow, that has to become wooden, that has to become a a stem, that, you know, there it goes. And not one step, not one step can be skipped. If any step is skipped, it will die and it will never see its potential. Now, in human life, that means we get to reincarnate and we get to start all over again. It's not like we're actually wiped out and lost. And even the, that seed, the, the material that made that seed, will go back into the earth and those atoms will reform themselves because nothing in creation, no energy, no erg of energy is ever lost, no divine force is ever lost. So if we're going to think of God as the highest we can imagine for ourselves, We just have to bring God into whatever that is. If we're making a painting, if we're making a beautiful home, I've always been a renunciate. I've always preferred the simple, the the simple slightly funky to the fancy. It's just my preference, except I do have a weakness for very nice hotels, but that's just sort of incidental. In my own life, I like it plain and simple. I happen to live in a house that's more lavish, than I would ever have chosen for myself. It was given to me for various circumstances to live in, not to own. In the process of moving into this house, which was now a dozen years ago, for the sake of the community who shares this house with me, I had to refurbish it. New carpet, it had to be painted. Various things had to be done to make it, because it had been 20 years and it, it just had worn out a little. And it It just wasn't quite right for what we were using it for now. And I really began to get into that process, which was the first time in my life I ever did it. And I suddenly realized how many people I know who have, you know, bought, refurbished, sold houses, gone on, bought, refurbished, sold houses, made gardens in those houses. And I suddenly realized this is as divine a pursuit as anything ever was. It never interested me, but I can see why people would do it. Because beauty is also a fulfillment. And if the highest fulfillment we can see is to create beauty, then feel that it is God who is creating beauty in us. And he also uses the word satisfaction 
and fulfillment. You know, we want to feel satisfied with, with whatever it is that we've done. You know, I wrote this book, which is, quite, um, which is Light Bearer, which is my 45 years of life with Swami Kriyananda, year by year. Those who are interested in his life have found it very beneficial. I wrote this book because he asked me to, and because I was a witness to an extraordinary life, and I knew that that um, observation point was not given for me to keep for myself. And it was, it took, I mean, he said to me when I was 24 that I should write that book, and I held it in my hand when I was 72. And in all the time in between, I was conscious of the need to do it. So I felt a great deal of satisfaction when I finished that book. I felt contentment, and I felt very fulfilled. This is, this is the divine, this is the highest we can achieve. Interestingly, it's, it's, I won't say I'm detached from it in the sense that I'm interested in its destiny, but I have this feeling that it's done. It, it was what was needed. But I never thought about it until I read right now that, of course, that satisfaction was the highest I could aspire to. And it was God leading me to that satisfaction and the desire for the satisfaction of having done it, for the fulfillment of having done it, for the contentment of knowing that I could die and it would be fine because it was done. I, I would joke before that before that book was published, no matter how serious the cancer, I would have had to take chemotherapy. <laughs> there was no question. After that book was published, God could take my life at any point he wanted. But the highest that I could aspire to was the satisfaction of doing that, the satisfaction of raising your children, the satisfaction of looking around your home and realize, you know, this is a beautiful home, and after I'm gone, others will enjoy it. To plant, as they say, the greatest act of generosity is for an old man to plant a sapling because it'll be a tree that he'll never be able to sit in the shade but someone will be able to sit in the shade. So the highest that we can aspire to, and without judging it, just whatever it might be, you know, allow that to always move us. Because God plants, and this is what you have to understand, God plants these aspirations and desires in our hearts. It's His way of moving us forward. Because we're not all motivated by this abstraction of eternal bliss. It's just too far away. It's just, it's too much, and I don't really know what it means. Master himself speaks of cosmic consciousness as enjoyable beyond imagination of expectancy. So I believe him, and I love the wordsmithing, but it's beyond my imagination. So I, 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 I realize as I'm thinking about this, that I'm motivated to seek God at whatever I can imagine Him to be. And not beyond that. I believe the Masters when they tell me that my imagination is limited, but my motivation is to think of God as the highest I can imagine for myself. Isn't that a wonderful idea? Because then no matter where you stand, there's always something that you can imagine that's greater, and that can be what moves us forward. God is kind. And the wonderful thing about self-realization is it's for everyone, actually. 
because wherever we're standing, we can always move one foot forward in the direction of who we desire and hope to be. And that's what Swami's telling us. How shall you define God? Think of him or her as the highest potential you can imagine for yourself. God is all that and much more. As the Indian scripture, the Bhagavad Gita states, he is in all things their supreme manifestation. Perfect power, wisdom, love, joy, peace, fulfillment, satisfaction, beauty, and contentment. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.